0: What do you want? And so begin the words of Jesus in the Gospel of John. These were the first spoken words of the one who was the word, as recorded in John chapter 1, verse 38. What do you want? What are you wanting this fall? What are you wanting going into this holiday season? What are you wanting as we approach the end of 2021? What were you wanting back at the beginning of 2021. Did you get it? <laughs> maybe you're wanting this pandemic to be over. Still, maybe you're wanting justice, wanting peace, or maybe you're just wanting enough money to get you through the month and through the Christmas season and your shopping. It turns out that what we want is very important to Jesus. Our wants reveal a lot about us. The fact that we have wants, desires, yearnings, longings, I think is actually a part of the image of God in us. God, after all, is a jealous God, we're told in Scripture. (laughs) He's a consuming fire. He has a will. And so do we. So it should come as no surprise then that as we get into the life of Jesus here in the Gospel of John, we find that he was very concerned in his interactions with people to draw out of their heart the answer to this question. What do you want? We've got a lot of ground to cover today. We're gonna make our way through the first six chapters of the Gospel of John. So let's jump in and explore Jesus' question What do you want? Well, welcome back to the Such Things Podcast. I'm David, and we're continuing in the Gospel of John, taking a look at Jesus. Let's read together. John chapter 1, verse 35. The next day, John was there again with two of his disciples. When he saw Jesus passing by, he said, Look, the Lamb of God. When the two disciples heard him say this, they followed Jesus. Turning around, Jesus saw them following and asked, What do you want? They said, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? Well, come, he replied, and you will see. So they went and saw where he was staying, and they spent that day with him. It was about four in the afternoon. I must admit, I've always been a little jealous of these guys. They, they got to spend a day with Jesus. And it changed their uh, the rest of their days. Uh, they were never the same. Oh, man, I wish I could spend a day with Jesus. But I want to point out to you here, verse 38. The first words... Of Jesus, recorded in the Gospel of John. It was a question, What do you want? It's always interesting uh, to me when to, to you know when a writer introduces a character for the first time, whether it be in a a book or a TV show or a movie, it's always interesting to see that character's uh, first interaction, their first lines of dialogue. Often those first lines, those first moments, that first scene, it will set the tone for that character and for their, you know, developmental arc throughout the series. And it's interesting, like recently my wife and I watched this show called Only Murders in the Building with um, Steve Martin and Martin Short and Selena Gomez, who knew uh, how well she would fit with those two old guys. <laughs> uh, now, it was a great show. I was not very pleased with some of the uh, the language, just to, you know, kinda gotta say that, and let you know that. But it was interesting, going back the other day, we watched the first two episodes again after finishing the first season. And it was interesting to see the way the characters were introduced. The first lines, the first things they said, the first things they did. And then to to see like oh now I know this character so much better, but already I can see how the how the writer was developing them. Well, John's a pretty good writer, and I don't think it was by accident you know an accident that the first words he puts in his gospel that Jesus says was this it was this question. What do you want? Why did Jesus ask them that? I mean, they're following him. It almost seems like he was like <laughs> annoyed, like, why are you guys following me around? You know, what do you, what do you want? Why were these the, the first words that John recorded? I pondered that as I was reading through John recently. And I began to realize that this question, these words of Jesus, this becomes an important theme in his interactions with people throughout his life. He seems to drive at this over and over with people. It's like he wants people to acknowledge what they want, to admit it, to own it, or or maybe to realize what they're wanting. But simultaneously, he knows what they want. The Bible says he knows what's in a man, you know, he knows what we all want. He knows what we really want. I won't sing the Spice Girls song. Tell me what you want, what you really, really want. He knows what people really want. Over and over in the Gospel of John, I found as I was reading, reading it again for the you know, several hundredth time, I, I found that Jesus seems quite interested in what people want. Perhaps this is teaching us some things about God and about our relationship with him. Perhaps God is very concerned with what you want today. Well, what did they want? Well, they said, they said, hey, where are you staying? That's what they they wanted to know. And and I think they wanted to, to spend time with him. So did they get what they wanted? Well, yeah, he said, come and you'll see. They got to spend the day with him. Let's go to another story. Let's just, let's just kind of look through some of these stories in the first chapters of John and let's see what these people wanted and how Jesus kind of brought them <laughs> to that question. John chapter two, verse one, let's read on together. On the third day, a wedding took place at Cana in Galilee. Jesus' mother was there and Jesus and his disciples had also been invited to the wedding. When the wine was gone, Jesus' mother said to him, they have no more wine. Woman, why do you involve me? Jesus replied. My hour has not yet come. His mother said to the servants, do whatever he tells you. <laughs> All right. What what did Jesus' mom want here? Well, she made it well, she I was gonna say she made it very clear. Actually, she was kind of passive aggressive about it. <laughs> this is like a classic mom or wife. <laughs> I, I, I'm not trying to, to be offensive here, but how many times have, uh, as your mom or or my wife, they'll they they, they they'll say what they want, but they don't even phrase it as a question. It's a statement. Uh, they're out of wine. And I'm thinking, is that like a request? Is that a que- do, do you want and? <laughs> but you know what she wants. She wants Jesus to do something about it. And, and his response, he says, well, woman, why do you involve me? My hour has not yet come. It, it's, again, like I was talking about writers and, and stories, right? When, when you're writing a, a like an origin story of a superhero, it's like usually their superpowers aren't revealed in episode one or two even. It's like, hey, give me, Jesus is like, hey, this isn't that episode yet. Well, did she get what she wanted? Yeah, he did it. He, he turned the water into wine. It, he changed his plan, it would appear. He adapted the story, the writing, <laughs> apparently, for what his mom wanted. What we want seems to matter a great deal to Jesus. And interestingly, in this story, it, it, and in many stories in the Bible, it would actually appear that God's plan has a, gr- has, has a great deal of leeway in it for what we want. I, I think we often think of God as like, you know, his will is, is, is set in stone. And, you know, we're kind of like robots, just, well, God's will will happen. Actually, I, what I see in the Bible is God having a lot of give and take with people over what they want. I mean, think about when Abraham in the Old Testament, he bargained with God one time (laughs) for for what he wanted. And, you know, think about parents with their kids. Kids always keep asking for what they want over and over. And oftentimes they get it. We recently took our kids up to the mountains for a, a little road trip to see the fall leaves. And man, the questions, are we there yet? Can we play a game? Can we stop? Can we get a snack? All their wants being voiced to me and Lisa constantly from the back seat to the front seat. And I'm gonna tell you, they often got what they wanted. <laughs> what we want. What his mother asked for something, and she got it. But 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 notice this. What was her response? To his response, she said, at first he said, hey, my hour has not yet come. He seemed to be saying no. But he said, she said to the servants, do whatever he tells you. It was actually my mom (laughs) who shared with me about this story recently. I never noticed that before. Do whatever he tells you. Is there a lesson here? See I I often thought of Mary as was kind of being a bit pushy here and Mary and Jesus their wants their wills a bit of a battle of wills and, you know but actually what I see is she says do whatever he tells you meaning I trust Jesus will do the right thing he'll make a good decision just do what he tells you <laughs> and there is a little motherly pressure there but but she was submitting the situation and her wants before Jesus. I would, let's stay with this. There's, we got a lot more stories to look at here. And as we go, I think we're going to learn some some more things about what do you want. John chapter 2, let's go on in verse um, 13. His disciples remember that it is written, zeal for your house will consume me. Wow. What did Jesus want here? I mean, he was consumed with zeal, with passion, with desire, with want. What did he want? He says, how dare you stop turning my father's house into a market? I think he wanted God's, his father's glory, his father's honor. But I think there's more. I think he wanted the temple, a temple that would allow all people to come to God. See, in Luke's account of this story, it it quotes the Old Testament. It says this is to be a house of prayer for all nations. See, it would seem that this marketplace was being set up in in the outer court of the temple, which is known as the court of the Gentiles, where those who were not Jews were allowed to approach the temple. They couldn't go all the way into the temple, but they could come into the court of the Gentiles and, and to partake in some way, shape, or form, in the worship of Yahweh. So if this market is being set up in the court of the Gentiles, some scholars believe that they were actually keeping the Gentiles out. It was meant to be a a house of prayer for all nations. So it may be that Jesus, what he wanted, yes, was for his father to be honored and glorified, but he wanted all people to be able to be brought in to come to his father, to worship his father. So did Jesus get what he wanted? (laughs) Well, I I mean, I guess you could say he did that day. He made a whip. He wanted it so bad. Is he getting it today? I don't know. I think we still often dishonor God in his house. I think we still sometimes keep people out that God wants to be brought in. But he got it that day. He made sure of it. He made a whip. It makes me wonder if this is what Jesus wanted. Do I want the same things? What I'm looking at here in this story of is. Zeal and passion for what he wants. Do do I want the same things? Do I want God to be lifted up and honored so passionately? Do I want more and more people to come into the house of God to know him and worship him? Do I want the outsider, the Gentile, if you will, to be invited in? and not to be marginalized from the people of God? This is challenging to me. It's convicting to me. Perhaps we need to let Jesus, our good shepherd, shepherd our wants to align more with his wants. I realize that when I begin, when I'm praying and I'm fasting and my wants are lining up with his wants, and I'm not just wanting all the wrong things, but my wants are heading the same direction as his wants, I find that that's when my prayers become powerful and effective, as the book of James says. The prayers of a righteous person are powerful and effective. I think when my wants align with his wants, all of a sudden I start praying in line with his wants, and all of a sudden my prayers become powerful and effective. But there's more, guys. There's a lot more about this. Let's go to our next story, John chapter 3, verse 1. Now, there was a Pharisee, a man named Nicodemus, who was a member of the Jewish ruling council. He came to Jesus at night and said, Rabbi, we know you're a teacher who's come from God, for no one could perform the signs you're doing if God were not with him. Jesus replied, very truly, I tell you, no one could see the kingdom of God unless they're born again. How can someone be born when they're old, Nicodemus asked? Surely they cannot enter a second time into their mother's womb to be born. Jesus answered, very, I tr- very truly, I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they're born of water and the Spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the Spirit gives birth to Spirit. You should not be surprised at my saying, you must be born again. Here's Nicodemus, this Pharisee, this religious leader in his community. Coming to Jesus, note, at night. What did he want? What did he want? I think he he want, I mean, well, Jesus responds kind of oddly by saying, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they're born again. I think Nicodemus, I think Jesus knew what he wanted was the kingdom. He wanted to know if Jesus, maybe, just maybe, was this coming king, this Messiah they were waiting on? But I think he was embarrassed to go to Jesus for it because his peers, you know, would have ridiculed him if they thought that that he thought maybe Jesus is the king. You know, sometimes we're the only one in our group or in our family or in our friend group, or in our co or, you know, we're the only one in our crew who wants Jesus, who thinks, man, maybe Jesus, you know, maybe he is the answer. Maybe, maybe he is what I really want. Maybe he's the answer. And you know, other people around you, they're, they're thinking the same thing, but oftentimes the people you're surrounded with, no one wants to say it. You don't want to be the one in the group that's going after Jesus. The one in the family that's like a Bible banger that's all about Jesus. It's tough to be that, that guy. So what do, you, what do you do? Sometimes you come at night. He came at night. And then Jesus gave him something unexpected. He said, hey, you can't see the kingdom of God, Nicodemus, unless you're born again. He's like, what are you talking about? Of course, we, we know he says you gotta be born of water and the Spirit, right? You need to be be baptized. He gave him something unexpected. He said, what are you talking about, Jesus? Often when we bring our wants to Jesus, he gives us what we want, but not what we expect. You know, we well, I remember when I came to Jesus for the first time, I think I thought I would get like a, a pat on the back and, hey, boy, you're doing so good. You're such a good guy, but but I, like the rich young ruler in another story, who came to Jesus, like, "What do I need to do to earn a eternal life?" And you know, good teacher, what must I do to be saved? And he said, "No one's good." And I found, as I came to Jesus, that I found that I wasn't as good as I thought I was. I, I, I often Jesus doesn't give us what we want or or what we expect. But well, I'm sorry, <laughs> he will give us ultimately what we deeply and really want and truly want, but not what we expect. In Nicodemus' case, it was this idea of being born again. He he said, what, do you have to go back into your mother's womb? What's funny is I still find that people are thrown off today to find that Jesus wants them to be born again through baptism. You know, I still find that people are like, well, you don't have to be baptized. And I'm like, well, <laughs> apparently my preacher didn't tell me that. Well, this preacher did. Jesus did. He says, you know, <laughs> be baptized in the Great Commission. Go make disciples. Baptize them. It's interesting when Jesus, we, we want him. We want what we want. But then when it's not what we expect, sometimes we get a little thrown off. But, but let's keep going. There, there's so much more to learn here. John 3 Verse 16, you've probably never heard this verse before. (laughs) were evil. Everyone who does evil hates the light and will not come into the light for fear that their deeds will be exposed. But whoever lives by the truth comes into the light so that it may be seen plainly that what they have done has been done in the sight of God. What does God want from this paragraph here versus what do we want? It says here quite plainly, we want darkness. It says, Lights come into the world, but people love darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil. What does God want? God wants us to be saved, not to be condemned, to save the world. But we want darkness. Uh, Too often we say we want Jesus, but we want to keep living the way that we're currently living. We want what we want, even if it's sinful. And we don't want to give it up for Jesus. He wants his children to come to him, but willingly, not by force. Nowhere in John does Jesus force what he wants on anyone. See, Jesus, God here, wants us to come to him, to be saved, to not be condemned, to come into the light But will I allow him, will I allow the good shepherd to shepherd my wants? Will you allow Jesus to change what you want and to give me what I really want deep in my heart, which is life in him? He knows what I actually want most deep in my heart is in fact him. But we've got these these competing wants in there (laughs) that he's going to have to deal with. Look at this. Go on down to John 3 in verse uh, 27 here. Look at this. Let's see what John the Baptist wanted. Um, So, so, okay, I got to give some background here. Um, Some of... um, So people come to John and they say, hey, you know, John, uh, you were like the big show in town, but now this guy, Jesus, is the big show. Everyone's going to him to get baptized. You know, you're John the Baptist. Now they're getting baptized by someone else. You know, what do you make of that? And he replies, John 3, verse 27, you know, a person can receive only what is given them from heaven. You yourselves can testify that I said, I'm not the Messiah, but I'm sent ahead of him. The bride belongs to the bridegroom. The friend who attends the bridegroom waits and listens for him and is full of joy when he hears the bridegroom's voice. That joy is mine and it's now complete. He must become greater. I must become less. (laughs) What did John the Baptist want? His own glory or the glory of Jesus? See, his show was coming to the the finale, the final episode. Jesus' show was just getting started. As it turns out, John's show was just a prequel for the big show about Jesus. (laughs) And he said, look, I got to become less. He's got to become more. What an incredible lesson, guys. Are we wanting for self or are we wanting... For God, it's so easy for our ambition to become selfish ambition is it not oh i feel I feel it as a preacher, I feel it doing this podcast, I feel it like leading a church like i want it's so easy for me to want to see these the church grow, the podcast grow to see you know my my it's just it's shameful, but I love John the Baptist here. He turned his wants over to Jesus. He wanted Jesus to be glorified, not self. Oh, but there's more. We got to move on uh, to chapter four because there's a few more stories I'd like to touch on here. Um, John chapter four, verse four. Now he had to go through Samaria So he came to a town in Samaria called Sychar, near the plot of ground Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired as he was from the journey, sat down by the well. It was about noon. I love that verse. (laughs) Jesus got tired. He needed to take a rest, a midday nap. Um, When a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, will you give me a drink? His disciples had gone into the town to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, you're a Jew and I'm a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? For Jews do not associate with Samaritans. With this one question, will you give me a drink? See, Jesus wanted something. He expressed a want. I need, I'm thirsty. Will you give me a drink? With that one question, that one expression of, Want he was actually breaking down some serious barriers. Jews of his day would typically walk all the way around Samaria in uh, route between, um, you know, Judea and Galilee. The 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 hatred, the racism, the cultural clashing. <laughs> um, it was it was so deep. Not to mention that a a man wouldn't just speak to a woman out in public like this. So she's taken aback. And Jesus replies, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that asks you for a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. Well, sir, the woman, and she says, well, you know, hey, uh, how are you going to get that water? Uh, You don't have anything to draw with. He answers in verse 13, everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. The one said, well, sir, give me this water so I won't have to, I won't get thirsty and have to keep coming here to draw water. He told her, all right, well, go call your husband and come back. And then she becomes quite defensive. Turns out she's had five husbands. And the man she's with right now is not her husband. And Jesus kind of draws attention to that. She tries to deflect the conversation to more of a religious debate, uh, which is typical, right? When it gets too personal, we'd rather talk about religious or political arguments than our own problems, our own stuff. But eventually, he keeps kind of driving deeper into her heart, deeper into, I think, her wants, she begins to suspect, are you the Messiah? And he reveals to her that, uh, yes, he says, I, the one speaking to you, I am he. Jesus took a conversation about him wanting a drink of water and very quickly made it about the spiritual water that this woman was thirsting for. He, He moved the conversation from his wants to her once and of course along the way he was tearing down gender barriers, racial barriers, cultural barriers, religious barriers all to get to this one lonely lost woman so she could have a little talk with Jesus about what she really wanted turns out Jesus was not the thirsty one but the woman was the one who was wanting Living water. He just had to kind of open her eyes to that. Prior to this little talk by the well, she was pursuing her wants in all the wrong places. It would appear in relationships, sin, sinful relationships, false religion. Go, go, Go back and look into the story. She's just like us just like her, when we realize that Jesus is it, He's what we want most, well, we come to Him and drink and then joyfully tell our whole village. That's what she ended up doing a few verses later. <laughs> it's, it's it's such a beautiful story. I wish I had more time to talk about it. You know, the, the disciples show back up, the, the 12, and It says, none of them asked, what do you want (laughs) to Jesus? Or why are you talking with her? Why are you talking with the woman? (laughs) And, And they said, hey, eat something. He says, I have food to eat that you know nothing about. They said, hey, did someone else bring him food? He says, hey, my food is to do the will of him who sent me to finish his work. We see what Jesus wanted was for this woman this outsider, her whole village, to get a chance to drink, to, to get what, they, what she really wanted on a deeper level. Oh man, what a great story. And there, there's so many more. Go on in John chapter four. Um, there's the story of the royal official, right? And his, his son was sick and he comes to Jesus and he asks Jesus to, to come and to, to heal his son. He wanted his boy to live. Any parent can relate to that want. And he got what he wanted. The official son was was healed. Um, And then what happens? We go down to John chapter 5. Oh, another great story about what someone wanted and Jesus drawing attention to what someone wanted. It says um, he went up to Jerusalem for one of the festivals And there's a a pool there um, called Bethesda, surrounded by five colonnades. Here, a great number of disabled people used to lie, the blind, the lame, the paralyzed. One who was there had been an invalid for 38 years. When Jesus saw him lying there and learned that he had been in this condition for a long time, he asked him, do you want to get well? Sir, the invalid replied, I have no one to help me into the pool. When the water is stirred while I'm trying to get in, someone else goes down ahead of me. Jesus said to him, get up, pick up your mat and walk. At once the man was cured, he picked up his mat and walked. And they end up getting in trouble for doing yet another healing on a Sabbath day. How about that Question. Jesus said, do you want to get well? Wasn't the answer obvious? But again, apparently we just see Jesus with this fascination into people's wants. Why did he ask the man that? Well, the man's response is interesting. He says, I have no one to help me. Maybe Jesus wanted him to say that. What he, maybe what the man wanted was someone to help him. <laughs> man, these stories are so rich when you think of it like this. Um, and what did Jesus do? Did the man get what he wanted? Yes, Jesus helped him. The magic water couldn't do it. His superstition couldn't do it when we finally take our wants to Jesus, rather than all the counterfeits like this guy had been doing for 38 years, then we find the miracles. Maybe you need someone to help you into the water. Find someone to disciple you, someone to teach you the Bible, to take your hand and lead you into the water. Man, the, these stories, I mean, it's just incredible. We could we could talk so much about them. Um, it, it just, it goes on from here. I mean, you go over to chapter six, uh, you see Jesus coming to a crowd of 5,000 people who wanted some food. They were hungry. He was teaching them, giving them the food of good spiritual teaching, but they wanted bread. So what did he do? He fed them. He gave them what they wanted. He fed them. And then we we find uh, the story of Jesus walking on the water. The disciples were afraid. He says, it's I, don't be afraid. Uh, he walked out of them in the night on the water. I'm sure there's some connections we could draw there, but we got to move. I want to I bring this in here. But look at this. Go to chapter 6, verse 25. Listen to this. When the people, when they found him on the other side of the lake, they asked him, Rabbi, when did you get here? He answered, very truly, I tell you, you're looking for me not because you saw the signs I performed, but because you ate the loaves and had your fill. Don't work for food that spoils, but for food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. For on Him, God uh, God the Father has placed His seal of approval. And they they say, well, what what do we do to do the work God requires? He says, the work of God is this, to believe in the one He sent, He said, what sign can you give us? And he goes on, skip down to verse um, 35. He says, hey, I am the bread of life. That that, that bread that I fed y'all on the other side of the lake, the bread that you're looking for, I'm the bread. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry. Whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. But as I told you, you who have seen me and still you do not believe. Man, what do these people want? Did they get it? Obviously, Jesus, we're not just talking about actual, tangible bread to fill the belly here. Like the water metaphor with the woman at the well in chapter 4. The bread in chapter 6 is uh, another image that Jesus uses to indicate that what we all really want deep down it's Him. It's Jesus. And then he starts talking about believing. Believing. The work of God is this to believe in the one He sent. And What does it mean to believe in Jesus? Perhaps belief is more than what we've thought. Just this intellectual, yeah, I believe in Jesus. Thank you. Check. I'm saved. Um, what if Jesus talk here about belief and believing in him has to do with his fascination, with what we want, what they wanted. Maybe to believe in Jesus means to put your trust in Jesus, to put all your hopes in Jesus, to bring all of these wants that are stirring within all of us, to bring that to Jesus. To let Jesus be Lord over our wants to decide to want jesus most look at this john 6 down here in verse 60 this is oh, this is awesome on hearing this many of his disciples said man this is a hard teaching this whole thing about the bread of life, and, and you know, and he talked about you gotta eat the flesh of the Son of Man, the bread of life. They said, this is a hard teaching. Who can accept it? Aware that his disciples were grumbling about this, Jesus said to them, does this offend you? Skip down to verse 66. From this time on, many of his disciples turned back and no longer followed him. You do not want to leave too, do you? Jesus asked the 12, Do you want to leave, guys? You don't want to leave, do you? He wanted to know what they wanted. Had they stopped wanting him? Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom? Oh man, this is so awesome. Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. We've come to, here it is that word again, we've come to believe. And to know that you're the Holy One of God. He says, Jesus, we want you. We've put all our eggs in this basket, is what Peter's saying. All our hopes, all our wants, our belief, it's all in you, except Judas, apparently. Where are your hopes, listener? <laughs> brother, sister, what do you want most? Who do you want most? What would it take for you to leave for something else you want more than Jesus? A spouse, if you're single maybe, or if your marriage is hard. A job, an easier life, Sometimes the grass is greener. You find yourself like the psalmist in Psalm 73, looking out thinking, do I want this life? The Jesus life? But I feel like Peter, he says, where, where else would I go? Y'all, I signed up for Jesus. I, I, I'm And this is David talking here. I, I can't leave because I can't leave him. I can't leave his church because I can't leave him. I decided a long time ago, I want Jesus most. I want Jesus most. When I was baptized as a teenager, there was so much I didn't know yet about my faith and my life and the journey ahead, but I made that good confession. They said, do you believe in Jesus? And I said, yes. And and, and, and my father asked me, what's your good confession? And I said, Jesus is Lord I want Jesus. Our brother James puts it this way in James chapter four, verse one. He says, what causes fights and quarrels among you? Don't they come from your desires that battle within you? You desire, but you don't have, so you kill. You covet, but you cannot get what you want, so you quarrel and fight. You do not have because you don't ask God. And when you ask, you don't receive because you ask with wrong motives. Or do you think scripture says without reason that he jealously longs for the spirit he has caused to dwell within us? The footnote there says, or that the spirit he caused to dwell in us envies intensely. Or that the spirit he caused to dwell in us longs jealously. The scripture is very interesting what we want, what God wants. I actually really love that God, Jesus, cared so much about what people wanted, that he cares about what I want, what you want. He honors that. This is an important lesson here. I was skipping around a little in James 4, but suffice it to say, he goes on to say, So look, submit yourselves to God. Resist the devil, he'll flee. Come near to him and he'll come near to you. Wash your hands, purify your hearts. Oh Jesus, please purify our hearts that we might want you most. Lord, help us here. What do you want, brother, sister? Here's the conclusion of the matter. I gotta go back to something I skipped in John 5. In verse 39, Jesus is in a debate with these Pharisees. and He says, hey, you guys, you study the scriptures diligently because you think that in them you have eternal life. These are the very scriptures that testify about me. Yet you refuse <clears throat> to come to me to have life. I relate to these Pharisees. I study the scriptures intently. I have been for a long time. But am I going to Jesus? Or am I running to the, everything but Jesus? We got to decide today. I want you, Jesus. I want you most Jesus. I signed up for you, Jesus. I trust you to satisfy my wants, Jesus. I entrust all my wants to you. Be Lord over my wants. Shepherd my wants. Change my wants. Satisfy my wants as you see fit. I want what you want, Jesus. My prayer lately has been this. I want to want what you want, Jesus. And I want you. I've been reading Psalm 37 lately over and over every day when I wake up and when I go to sleep, and I'm going to close reading some lines from Psalm 37, and I'm going to turn it into a prayer and kind of personalize it for us today. So if you want to read along in Psalm 37, you can pray along with me. I offer this as a prayer to Jesus to be Lord and shepherd over our wants and that we might want him most. I will not fret because of those who are evil. I will not be envious of those who do wrong. For like the grass, they will soon wither. Like green plants, they will soon die away. We trust in you, Lord, and we will do good. Let us dwell in the land and enjoy safe pasture. Lord, help us to take delight in you. May you be what we want and give us the desires of our heart. Change the desires of our heart as you see fit. Lord, we commit our way to you. We trust in you, knowing that you will do this. You will make your righteous reward shine on us like the dawn, your vindication like the noonday sun. God, I, I want to be still before you, Lord. We want to wait patiently for you. In all of our wants, we'll wait patiently for you. May we not fret, Lord, Lord, When people succeed in their ways, when they carry out their wicked schemes, God, we will refrain from anger and turn from wrath. May we not fret. It leads only to evil. And the church said, amen. We'll see you next time. the lord today but he is all my hope instead a god is good his name is great hallelujah